Welcome to the podcast of Inspiring Women in Hospitality. I'm Noreen Ahmed, your host. Each episode, I invite a woman from the hospitality industry to share her story with us, why she got into hospitality, her journey so far, her learnings, and who inspires her. On this episode, we hear from Michelle, recorded in March 2023. Michelle shares her journey and a fountain of knowledge from her experience to inspire us all to be female business leaders. All right, we're now recording. Hello everyone, Noreen here. Today I have with me Michelle. Thank you so much for joining me. Oh, this is, it's a wonderful pleasure, Noreen, to meet you. And as we've said, we've just met over Zoom uh, through a connection through LinkedIn. It's it's wonderful. I think Zoom is just fantastic. Uh, we are connected. Zoom is brilliant. I'm so glad for technology that allows us to connect this way, because even though I've been traveling a lot of places, <laughs> I still need a little bit of that digital connection to yes, complete that it circle. <laughs> It's very good. But well, thank you very much for asking me to come on to your uh, podcast today. I know, you know, we're both women in hospitality. My career started many years ago. You know, I've had my own company now as a consultant to the hospitality industry since 1994. But prior to that, uh, based here outside of Sydney in Australia, you know, back in the 80s, had the fortune of uh, working at the Menzies Hotel, which is one of the biggest hotels here in Sydney at the time uh, in the functions department, you know, coordinating these beautiful balls and, and then small uh, training sessions. So my passion and understanding of what behind, was behind the scenes began back there. And then when we had the America's Cup, after we won it from America, it was based over in Perth. And at that particular time, I was working there at a, a restaurant, the Matilda Bay restaurant, right next door to the Royal Perth Yacht Club. And my job, I know this will be surprised you and your listeners, is all I had to do was talk. Uh, so I can't carry plates, can't pour a beer, or I can probably do a glass of wine if I'm lucky. But my role was the hostess. So greeting, chatting, and, you know, particularly in those days, it was a lot of high-flying luncheons, a lot of connection there with uh, the different boat owners and their crews and, and all the ambassadors, et cetera, that came. And it really was a beautiful time there in Perth. It's on the other side of the country, so it was very enjoyable for me. But, of course, time goes on, family, and come along. So I came back here and then commenced my own company, Oops, which is Optimum Operating Procedures and Services, back in 94. And, I, you know, back then it was secretarial services and doing all those things that I didn't really like but I was good at. And, uh, you know, so how am I going to get back into that world of hospitality and marketing and being with people and a good friend of mine was at a local venue here it's what we call a registered club uh, here in New South Wales very much if you're an American uh, you'd be looking at one of your um, suburban casinos so very yeah it's on entertainment places to eat but a very community focused uh, very different to a pub and very different to a, a casino they are for the community, they are own, you know, they are there for the members. And I had the joy and privilege of training their frontline team in reception uh, back in, you know, 1999. And then I niched from there, Noreen, and I've 
built a company up that uh, prior to COVID, we had 70 employees with research and data. And then I do a lot of training, both in frontline and middle management, as well as being a certified speaking professional with uh, professional speakers here in Australia, which is part of National Speakers Association and globally throughout Europe. So I speak at conferences around the world, which I love talking about the, the customer's experience in working in that multi-generational workplace, as well as women in business. And I see this is where our connection has grown mm -hmm. deeper through our conversations, Noreen, is women in business, but then also women in hospitality. So, you know, like many companies during COVID, everything stopped overnight. Uh, I had to, uh, you know, terminate 70 employees, which was not a nice thing to do, but have grown back from that. Fortunately, I'd had a very deep connection with my clients. And so for, for them over the years to come back uh, to me and really building it over the last 18 months has certainly been an honour and a privilege. And now I still work very closely with frontline teams, tracing, uh, training them face-to-face, -face, but with that middle management group, which we'll chat about a little bit later, particularly with women in that role, is uh, both hybrid online and uh, in person and, and I'm loving it it's fantastic mm. thank you Michelle so much for that introduction and yeah taking us a little bit on that journey of your career thus far uh, yes. so <laughs> starting at the beginning uh, why did you choose hospitality in the first place <laughs> the people I think that was probably the the biggest thing you know I'm certainly not a person that's going to be sitting in a back room as lovely as financials are and I, I wouldn't be a successful businesswoman for nearly 30 years if I didn't understand a little bit about financials but it's not my passion or joy people are and as you've guessed I love to talk so having that opportunity to meet people have that conversation you know, at functions at the Menzies, that was a big hotel, both for accommodation and, and for functions, you know, planning things for people and then seeing it come to fruition, uh, but also understanding people's, you know, what, what they had in their mind. It could be very different to actually what, what, the, what their vision was may be interpreted differently and so how we're handling that as well. And then of course, you know, the, the marketing aspect, that people's connection, and then through my own company, you know, we're built back up. We've got a team of 25. Now I don't want to get as big as I did before, but it's connecting with those people. And because I've been doing it for so long, you know, a lot of those young boys and girls were 18, first job in the industry, picking up ashtrays and now CEO. So they've taken me on that journey. So that's that's why I just love this niching down in it. It's yeah, It's been a wonderful joy, something that, you know, I, I was never a, a bar person beforehand. I just got in there from the, the training aspect of site and I've, I'm loving the journey. Thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah, I think for me, my getting into hospitality was just the multiculturalism of hospitality, the people, absolutely, the people that you work with, the people that you get to interact with uh, on a daily basis, like having grown up in like four different countries by the time I was 10, I think going into hospitality was was inevitable. But I just remember yes. that that uh, comment about, you know, picking ashtrays to, to becoming CEO. I mean, one, it's great that you've been, you know, part of that journey, but I think what I love about hospitality is that you can do that, right? Like you can yes. 
start at the bottom and work your way up with or without, you know, an education or qualifications. You know, there is a lot of emphasis given on that real, that work experience and what you learn on the job. And I think in hospitality, you can learn so many different skills. Like I just think about a restaurant setting, right? If you're the one taking the order, you know, making sure that you're communicating with the guests, knowing what they want, making sure that the orders are coming out of time, communicating with the kitchen, placing the order in time so that food, they don't have to wait too long in between their uh, their meals or the starters and the mains and so on and so forth. I mean, it's a skill. Like it's a serious yeah. skill to be able to know and interpret and guess, you know, what the right timing is. But I sometimes I feel like it's undervalued, but it is an incredible skill set to have. Definitely. You have it's that observational skill. You've got to be yes. there, you know, you've got a, a table of six people and observing that only five have got their mains. Where's the sixth one? So let's not wait till the customer or the diner complains. Let's go out to the kitchen and, and find where it is. But I think it's also understanding that everybody's role is key. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I always use the example of the person polishing the silverware. Uh, you know, the cutlery, they always say, oh, it's a boring job. Nobody wants to do it. But, I, uh, you know, my example when I'm training is, you know, you may be in a wonderful restaurant. The chef's cooked this beautiful meal. It sounds absolutely divine, you know, on the menu. It's fantastic on the plate. And you pick your fork up and there's yesterday's egg stuck in between <laughs> them. So it doesn't matter how good everything was that person who didn't take the care for that role that perhaps they thought was mundane, boring, didn't really matter, it impacts everything else. And I think that's probably the key in hospitality. It's understanding that everybody's role is so important that if somebody doesn't do it, it's that domino mm-hmm. impact you know, along the, along, along the way. And, of course, then to our members and guests, you know, our patrons who come and dine or have a drink or enjoy the entertainment with us. I always used to be happy to do the the cutlery polishing or the glass <laughs> polishing because it gave me a moment to be away in front of the guests, sit down <laughs> for a moment. Yes. <laughs> Breathe. And it's it's very meditative as well. So it is. Yes. It, helps you. it is. <laughs> it does. <laughs> Those were the days. Mm. Uh, um so yeah you went across to Perth for a bit and you decided to come back and I mean you could have you know chosen to I'm sure you could have easily found another role somewhere but you decided to start your own business um why Mm. was that I had a horrific job interview (laughs) (laughs) and uh, it it was it was uh, I'm I'm very uh very values-based person Noreen you know all my training comes from that intentional leadership, uh, that heart-centred, and my values are very important to me. So at the time, my mother was in the last stages of cancer after a number of years. I had two very small children that I found I was now uh, caring for by myself. I was travelling into the city, and it was a lot of hours away from my children as well as a lot of, uh, you know, expectation that I had of my father to you know be picking up the children you know from from preschool because they were only tiny at the time Amelia was four and and Bryce had just turned seven nearly turning eight and I realized there and then I needed a role that was going to be closer to home and I had an opportunity back then you know this is uh late 1993 
yes, yes, about 1993, I went for this job. It had really great pay. It had lots of opportunities and not far from home. So I went for the role. I won't go into the detail now because it's a very long story. But to say it was the most horrific interview where I was humiliated and just taunted by this male CEO, it was just absolutely horrific. He had asked me to write my application in hand. And one of those beliefs that I had was that I had shocking handwriting. So I had spent an exhausting amount of time to write this. And his first question was, do you like to drink? And then he went on to say that I must have been drunk when I wrote it and then just berated me for half an hour. I'm in an office, Friday night, locked door, no mobile phones back then. I'm concerned. It took me all my strength not to burst into tears. Now, I'm a woman at that stage in 1994, 32 years of age. I'm not a kid <laughs> and, and it shouldn't be for anybody, but I, it took all my composure I got, you know, I got out that car, I can assure you, I cried all the way home, but I made a vow then that I would never work for anybody whose values were not congruent with mine or to be put into that role or, or that position. And so the next day he actually rang up and offered me the job, uh, which I politely declined, but I did ask him, may I ask you, sir, why you felt uh, the need to interview uh, in such a unusual style and because I'd been to a lot of job interviews all over the years you know I, I used to love going from job to job and his uh, response was well in that role as my PA you get a lot of people coming in off the street who'll scream at you and I wanted to see how you react I said yes very interesting but that's not the role for me and may I suggest that's not the way that you uh, undertake People. an interview so I got home and I thought I'm not doing this so I did a, a course. My family have always been in business. I did a small little business course uh, while, you know, doing temp work. And then I opened the doors of my company in 1994 and it's grown from there. And now I work with amazing men, fantastic women and all people from walks of life and different cultures. And I think back then how, how easy money could have pushed me to take on a role that I knew that I would not have been congruent with, that I know that it would have been against every one of my values. My children have been, you know, I've married years later and we've got a third child who's you know, nearly 25 now. But during that time, I was a really strong role model for my children, both my son and my daughter, and then, of course, my youngest daughter, to see me. And I look back now thinking I would have taken that job for all the wrong reasons and I wouldn't have felt that I was that role model. My children have seen me, yeah, you know, work damn hard. Um, but that's a, that's what you do when you're building a business. That's what you do when you need to be knocking on doors and handing out business cards because it was all before the Zoom and it was all before social media. You had to do your little trifold brochure and hand out you got. So so that's where it started. You know, it, it was all, yeah, that was the whole reason, you know, I certainly I could have gone back into hospitality or taken a role like that, but it was more of the fact of no, that I want to choose the life that I want and that I deserve, not the life that others choose for me or believe I should have. I'm very much um, an advocate for choice theory. And yeah, I've studied that quite a lot over the years. Mm. Thank you so much for sharing that, Michelle. It's incredible how one bad experience can actually be a good thing in many ways that it helps you 
maybe reaffirm something that you already knew about yourself and and kind of make that decision yes. but oh that was shocking just hearing you share that oh, yes. story it's very long but one thing that you know got me thinking as you were sharing that so from all the interviews I've been doing there have been so many women that I've interviewed who have started their own business for exactly the same reason that you said in terms of I needed that flexibility I had a family you know uh, you know old young whatever that looked like and I felt like the or even without family I felt like the only way I could live the life of my choosing the way I want the way I deserve is by having my own business yes mm. and, and and just you know ups and downs but just sticking to it and I, I absolutely love there's not been one day in you know this is my 29th year where I've gotten up thinking I don't want to do this anymore never I've always loved what I do and I think it's it's being in that hospitality world because you're meeting so many different people from so many different generations and so many different walks of life and, and you know, as you were saying before, it's a very multicultural uh, industry and and learning about people. Mm, what makes them tick? <laughs> Completely. And the uh, one other point I would add to that is, Yes, it's great that there's so many women like yourself starting your own business successful and sticking to it and living the life that you want to. I also feel like businesses are missing out on having some really great employees that if they figured out a way to work together, that they could keep yes. them in the business. So many women have said they didn't even bother trying to have that conversation. They just oh. went out on their own. So I think there's there's something over there. Uh, but one yeah. thing that you mentioned here is the many different gen generations. And then you also mentioned earlier, multi-generational uh, businesses or companies that you're working with or within hospitality. Can you expand on that a little bit mm -hmm. and talk about it from your um, experience? Yeah, uh, I love doing research. You know, half of my company is a large research company. I created my own uh, proprietary software. Well, I did in my head and then I had a, a lovely chap who I've turned grey over the years uh, in doing all the programming where we look at every facet of your business. So it's a true insight report in, in seeing what works. And so therefore it came to, came to a very early realisation to me is the generations that are in the workplace, how are they connecting? How are they uh, working as a team? as well as how are they connecting with, you know, with their customers, their, their members or guests. So if we look at uh, the workplace at the moment, for the majority of workplaces, this is uh, taking out of account of a, perhaps a very um, connected family business, we're looking at four generations. We have our baby boomers, we have Gen X, we have Gen Y, and now we have Gen Z. But of course, on our customer side of things, we have six generations we have our pre-veterans who are our oldest living and well into the retirement for the majority of those globally as well as our alphas our uh, our little ones that the youngest are now you know 10 coming up to that 14 years when when they finish is that and then we'll have another group below them now People look at generational groupies and thinking we're trying to pigeonhole them, which we're not. When we put people in generational groupings, it's giving us clues, Noreen. You know, um, we're seeing where there are a lot of similarities. Uh, I was just listening to a chap in America, Jason Dorsey. He does a lot of work in this space and just saying, for instance, they've just completed 1,500 
uh, surveys there and, and research in the US where 71% of Gen Z are looking for friendliness in business. A Gen Z person will give a business 2.6 to 3 chances before they'll move on. Baby boomer, you're done at one point. That's it. One chance, you're gone. We're out of here. We don't have time. You know, we've got money. We don't have time. So move on. <laughs> and you know, I'm, I'm having a little bit of drive. But it is really key. But then we look at our Gen uh, Gen X, you know, which are the only generation at this point in time that has earned less than the generation before them and the generation after them. You know, I call them the club sandwich uh, generation because that's the world I live in, in clubs. But it's true. They're stuck there. They're now looking after ageing parents. They're looking after children that are on the cocktail world and still living at home and mum's still doing the washing. And now they're one day off a fortnight, they're looking after the grandchildren, which they love, but they'll never, ever, they, they just feel like they're going to be always working. They've got very little savings, very little superannuation. And it's just this work on this constant wheel, very different to, as I said, baby boomers, as well as our Gen Ys. Gen Zs are really interesting you know, uh, cohort, Noreen, because at the moment, you know, they're that 25 age, the next 10 years, they are, they've got money to spend. They spend 65% of their time on uh, on a screen, not just socialising, but actually connecting. But they are very strong. They want to know about community engagement. They want to know wisdom and knowledge. They are going to be our customers over, you know, our big cohort of customers, as well as our major cohort of um, members in our workplace as they leave university or change jobs and different things. So uh, I love looking at that sort of research. It's fantastic. There's so many different nuances then within that because then you've got your customers and, and everything else. But I could talk about that for hours. I was going to say, I think if I let you, you could probably keep just talking about <laughs> this. But thank you so much. You know, I think it's always great to hear this and just hear it from a different perspective and from your own yeah. research as well you know things that you kind of know anecdotally but things that you're also seeing but that have it verified um, by the data um, yeah. and so then let's move on to to women the thing that connects us both mm -hmm. and something that we were talking about earlier is that you know at the entry level you've definitely got a lot of women you know almost the same right men and women coming in at the same position and mm -hmm. as you see start going up you know you see that shift happening and then you know as you go further up you almost they almost disappear um, yes so in your opinion and perhaps also from your research um, what do you think are some of the reasons why we're seeing that gap and what are some of the things that we can do um, to change that mm. well I, I, it comes to encouraging each other you know uh we don't always put ourselves forward, Noreen, for roles. You know, if we hold ourselves back, we wait till we've got every single qualification and skill set to do it. And then that little voice of doubt comes into our head. Oh, am I going to be good enough? Who's going to perhaps look after the children after school? Who's going to cook the meal? Who's going to do this? Oh, now it's going to be all this pressure. And then all for by ourselves, you know, it's... Uh, Am I, am I going to be able to do the, the right job? Am I qualified? This And this voice of doubt stays in our mind instead of verbalising that we're hearing that a lot of it is just a lot of, just a lot of fooey. And what we should be doing is speaking to another woman and or good friend who encourages, who, who supports us to go for that role. You know, particularly in the industry that I work with is it that 
entry level is 50-50, male and female, but once we go up to the relief supervisor, supervisor, duty manager, and then management, very, you know, the has always been very male heavy, uh, you know, top heavy. There are a few women that are coming into it, but what we see the roles for more females in the industry is HR and marketing, for instance. CEOs, the one, the females that we have in CEOs across the registered club industry are phenomenal women. And what makes them different is that they see the potential in others, as do men do, so, certainly don't get me wrong, but let me put it this way. When I started work all those years ago, you know, well before I started my business, there was very much that glass ceiling. And for some women, when they got there, they pulled up that ladder so darn quick behind them, they made sure nobody else was going to get in there. And that was a big thing. And when I started my business and I'd be talking to other women about how do we support each other, they'd look at me and go, why waste your time? What are you talking about women in business? It's just, you know, very, very different. Whereas now I'm seeing women who are really encouraging and men that are seeing the potential that they've got in the, the women in their team, but they're having to perhaps have those conversations with them in showing them that they have that potential and what would the role look like and how would that be, you know, how would that be incorporated into your life? So to me, it's having those conversations is really ideal. But of course, there's always going to be the impact from family, whether it's parents or whether it's, you know, your partner in life that may say to a woman, just do that job. You're getting well paid. Why do you want to be a manager? Um, you know, it's just so much extra work. And so they they choose, they choose not to because they don't see that there can be that, not always that perfect life work balance, but there are opportunities that they could go into. You know, so many of the women I know now are doing, you know, part-time or working around, uh, you know, school hours. And now we've got Zoom. It's phenomenal because they can work from home, but so can men as well. You know, there's a lot of men in our industry that are, you know, having to juggle a, a very tight home life as well. They may be the, you know, the primary carer for many. So having this opportunity where they can work from home is ideal. So I'm starting to see it open up a lot more than what the opportunities were when I first started banging the drum about, business, you know, women in business things. Thank goodness. <laughs> Thank you. I think we need many more women like yourself to keep banging that drum and encouraging women yes. into business. And I guess that makes me want to question who was banging your drum for you when you were going through your um, journey and starting your own business? Or did you just have that amazing self-confidence always and you knew oh, you were no. going to be successful? <laughs> Oh, look, I, look, I, no, I, I think, you know, it, it came from my parents. My parents were, um, had both always been in business after my father had returned from the Second World War. You know, they'd built a number of different businesses. I was very close to them. I've got three much older brothers. Two of them were already in business, you know, well into business uh, by the time I had began mine. And even though I had lost my mum just, um, you know, uh, well, just before I started my, my business, I still always had her beside me and I, I still do today you know but my dad was very very instrumental in always just questioning me supporting me you know unconditionally but questioning me you know what could you do better well not so much what could you do better but I don't know it was just that encouragement that 
you never give up. You know, my father, you know, being born during the Depression and, you know, the war and et cetera, it was, you know, that every day has a silver lining and tomorrow is another day. You know, if you look at a, a fictional character as inspiration for me was Scarlett O'Hara from Gone with the Wind, you know, it was tomorrow is another day. And some people see her as this, you know, very brazen woman, whereas I see her for every time she made a decision, it was for her family. It was always for her family and that connection. So, yeah, that inner drive has always come from my my parents. And now, of course, you know, with my own three children, my two little grandchildren, my husband, it, it's that continual support. But I also get support from other women in business, Noreen. You know, like I've got, you know, I'll be honest, I've probably got two friends that are, you know, school mothers from all those years ago. But everybody else is in business because otherwise if you're talking about business, People think you're crazy. <laughs> so it's 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 wonderful. You know, but it's been in these different mastermind groups, different organizations, but it's also what you give is what you get back as well. Yeah. And being a conduit for others. I love that. I think that's important. Thank you so much for sharing that. And yeah, I think that's something that I'm also kind of learning. Like realize I've never really had like a mentor going through my career like I've worked sometimes with trainers or coaches or you know we do these leadership trainings but like having that support someone that I can kind of go to and you know connect with you know especially the early part of my career I really didn't have that you know and what you were saying earlier about pulling that ladder up if anything you know I've had that experience, but unfortunately, I still hear that from many women is that it's more about competition rather than support. So I'm hoping, you know, our collective voices can start changing that mindset and making sure that we we have those support wherever we go throughout our careers and and then go through the generations. I think we can learn so much um, from one another as much as we can learn from each other as well because they always bring a different perspective right so um i did manage to um, grab some lunch in sydney with this um half of a committee from young hotel leaders mm -hmm. and i was just so inspired by what they're doing they said there wasn't a network there wasn't a community so, okay let's just there's six of them let's just get together and do something about it they're organ already organizing networking events uh looking at mm -hmm. doing different uh coaching and voice training and speaking engagements and things like that oh that was another thing actually yes you are also uh part of the speaking association australian yes yes psa professional PSA. speaking so i'm a certified speaking professional so it's a certification that you know takes quite a number of years to attain but it was one that i believe was important uh, for me because it looks not only in your speaking ability but also you know you have to be financially savvy and it is showing that you've actually built a business on speaking and, and uh, yes yeah, so there's a number of different levels that you have to go through but even there I've built a wonderful community of people that are outside the hospitality industry and just learning and sharing from them is just as beautiful. Mm. Yes, I think it's as important to learn from outside the industry as it is to learn from within yes. the industry as well. <laughs> Definitely. Um, and looking at the time, I am going to move on to my final question and ask you, who inspires you? Oh, look, uh, to be honest, for for myself in the role that I'm now in, you know, particularly over the last couple of years, what you know, who's inspired me are... Uh, those in our industry 
collectively who have built themselves back up again. You know, it, it was darn hard. They lost their jobs. They closed the businesses. Uh, they didn't know, you know, there were CEOs that didn't know when the doors would reopen because they are very committed to their community, uh, both being there for them, having the doors open for people to come to, but also financially. Seeing those people, all of them, male and female, uh, really build back that community, they really inspire me as well as building themselves develop you know developmentally uh, is fantastic you know the program that I now run middle management movement it's bringing together you know people that are highly experienced and ones that are just coming in on that that journey of of management male and female and just seeing them how they grow you know it really inspires me like there was there's one chap he's the youngest CEO that we have in our industry 27, uh, Jason, he started off seven years ago sharpening the pencils that you use in Kino. And uh, now he is a CEO because he asked questions, people believed in him. He um, And he's just such a lovely guy. And he's a CEO of North Bondi RSL, which would have to have the most amazing view in all of the world. He's right at, right at there on that beach. But he also, not only is he young, but with being an RSL, Noreen, he brings with him the wisdom and the knowledge from uh, those who've gone before him, those who've been in a theatre of war. It was actually uh, built by the Rats of Dubrook coming back from the Second World War. And he cherishes that heritage. He now has 69 employees there, and the majority of them are backpackers, where English is the second language. They're not only employed to serve a meal or to Foraging, but they are learning about the history of Australia and the history of, of that venue and that strong connection. That's what I love when I see these younger people. That's what inspires me is that they it's not just about themselves, it's about how they can grow their community, not just you know a few kilometers down the road, but globally. And that really, really truly inspires me. I love it. Thank you, Michelle. And you have thoroughly inspired me today as well. So thank you. Thank you. I've, I've loved our conversation. I do look forward to one day, hopefully, uh, sitting down together. Absolutely. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you were as inspired as I was by that story. Please follow us here and on LinkedIn, where I post videos of the recordings. Stay tuned for many more stories of inspiring women in hospitality. Mm -hmm.